0: for future episodes as well will i listen to your suggestion there's only one way to find out patreon.com slash meet me pod bye but you know the satellite years i feel like is the album that hopes fall is most known for would you agree with that i would agree with that kind of sets the it's interesting because it sets the premise for everything that comes after it and it seems so much different than what came before it but you were part of hopes fall from the beginning is that right
1: that's correct yeah 98
0: so going back and listening to like frailty of words and knowings to speak of that comes out before this when did you guys decide that you were going to be astronauts
1: <laughs> you know it's funny we were we always loved you know spacey or big rock bands and really liked where Like there was a lot of hardcore bands that were kind of going that way as well, and we're just like, "Oh, this is perfect!" and just love the theme. And like the theme of that record was like, uh, I don't know, like distance and perspective, and you know, kind of feeling removed. And it was like it went, it just you know, it kind of made sense to to do this kind of space themed artwork to go with it there. But um, I think that was when. You know, the branding of that record and and that time was when we really started like leaning into that image of the band, I guess you know,
0: definitely the artwork drives it home. I mean, when I'm listening to it, I feel like I'm, you know, looking at that, you know, it's all kind of ties together. I don't know if I would have that same perspective. I mean, there's certain titles like Andromeda and the skate pods and things like that, that kind of are reminiscent of it. But the fact that you're looking at this, you know, orb and these elevating bodies and everything, and then it kind of continues with the, the records that follow, but certainly there's not even really to me, and maybe you can correct me, maybe you can point out things that are uh, there aren't even like hints of that kind of idea beforehand, but then it kind of, you know, is an ever present thing afterwards.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think like musically it was present, like the, where we were headed, you know, the direction, the arc of the band, but yeah, thematically that, that record solidified that kind of image for us. And we still use that like circle man, you know, like the floating dude with the broken circle around it. um, like that's still the logo. Like we use, it's like a cool little branding image.
0: I know that this is also, of course, the first album with Jay on vocals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and also, um, the last album with Chad and Adam until more recently, but is Ryan on guitar? Is he still involved with the band while you guys are writing this record? Yes.
1: Yeah. Ryan, Ryan and I, and Chad and Adam wrote the record musically. And, uh, and Jay got involved with the record when it was probably about like halfway through. Cause our singer at the time, Doug was like, guys, I'm going to like, I'm going to pursue my career. Um, you know, I don't know how long I can be in a hardcore band. And we're like, Oh, we totally get it, dude. And Jay <laughs> was, was like, I'll do it. You know, like we, and he was a friend of ours. Like we were college roommates. We went, You know, he went to high school with Ryan and Adam. And so, and he grew up in bands around charlotte playing a band so we all hung out together and we were like jake could scream like he can do it he can sing like he used to play in pop punk bands and stuff he can sing and uh so it just kind of happened fairly organically with him getting involved uh with the record but um yeah and ryan was was involved through the whole writing process
0: Was there a first song that you guys wrote that you were like, oh, this is like kind of the direction we need to go in? Because it almost feels like a concept album, you know, but of course there has to be like an initiation point of where that would come from.
1: I'm trying to think what the first song we wrote was after we did Knowings. And I think it was Dana Walker. The fourth track on the record, and I think, I and mean, musically, I felt like we were we were all vibing as a band at that point. Like we we'd done the EP, and there was member changes from the first record to the EP, and then the EP to Satellite Years. But um, I think that like the core of us that were writing together really really gelled and had felt each other out, and were, like on the same wavelength there. So I think it was just a musically it was it was like in the arc of like knowings, just with a few more years of experience and stuff kind of leaning into that we didn't think we had like a concept record you know we just knew that thematically all there was all the pieces that kind of fit you know and i remember like we didn't even have names for some of those songs until we were in the studio and we're like we need to name these songs It can't just be the fifth song (laughs) you know so Like as we were putting it all together, and then we recorded that with Matt Talbot from Hum as well. And so that influence is 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 huge on it. And I think we were probably all in that kind of spacey vibe and that kind of place and just fit.
0: You know. So Champagne, Illinois' own Matt Talbot, is the producer of this record. Now, I think that's an important thing to point out, not only that he, you know, being such a noteworthy person to produce it, but even in this time and trust kill but even just metalcore hardcore whatever you want to call it having even a producer at all is kind of a unique aspect you know it was pretty much like hey we wrote the songs we're going to go into the studio and we're going to record them so what made you guys even want to seek out production in general and then how did matt become the one that got to do it
1: well we would always have liked to have you know like we i mean and and to be very like, we had a producer on the first two records right but it was just like this is where we can go. The studio has set this thing or the label is like, set this up. This is what we're doing. These are the contacts we have. We're using it, you know? And then for this one, they were like, well, what do you want to do? And we're like, well, we know that Matt Talbot has a studio because we're huge fans of this band called Shiner from Kansas city. And they just put out a record called the egg not too long before that. And in the liner notes, it says, you know, like Matt recorded a great Western record recorders with Matt Talbot. We're like, no shit. like, And we love the sound of that record. And we're like, if, if Matt can make a Shiner record, he can clearly make our record. You know, like he's, you know, he's freaking obviously capable of making good records. Um, so we're like, let's just reach out. It was like a long shot type of thing. And he said, yes. You know, we were freaking thrilled. Like we were but, over the moon.
0: But to be fair, the producers on those first two records are more like engineer roles than like a producer, I would think, right? They, I mean, were they making contributions to the structure of the songs? M-
1: much, much more in the engineering role. Like we went into those studios with those ston- with those songs, you know, right. like we, we knew what we were there to get. And they helped us get tones and things of that nature, put it all together. But yeah, more of like a, a lead engineer role.
0: And aside from, of course, the vocals on Escape Pod for Intangibles, what do you think that Matt contributed to those songs? Like, what wouldn't have been present without him there?
1: Certain tones, and I think that he really, like, helped us lean into the, like, we always loved big feedback swells, and we always used to talk about, like, when we were teenagers before Hope's Fall, we would get together at my one friend, Chris Kincaid's house because his parents just let him do whatever that he (laughs) wanted. And like, so we'd set up like amps all over the downstairs of the house and just create these giant feedback whale calls. And all of us would have guitars and delay pedals and like kind of just, you know, like putting the guitar up to the amp and getting different noises. We would do this for hours, (laughs) you know? And, um, just cause it was fun and we thought it was cool. And, and he was like, yeah, you should do more of that. You know, I think that he really kind of was like, yeah, let's do that. Let's record a shit ton of feedback and use it in the record. And we knew we wanted to have some, but I think that like, he really helped us like be like, yeah, we can make lots of textures with
0: this. The most prominently I think about the bending, of course, you know, is the single from the album. If you want to, call it that I had a music video on my trust kill takeover dvd but yep. uh you know it has a lot of you know multiple guitar parts and then behind that even is just kind of like new no- not even like noodling but you know it's a, a feedback to it yeah
1: 100 percent, yeah but i think um yeah. I mean, we knew we were going to do some of that, but like, yeah, he was really into that idea and kind of pushed us with it. So I think that was huge. And then, um, I mean, obviously the contribution, uh, singing wise, that there's a funny story with that, that like, while we were recording there, like he had a Nintendo 64, like up into like this, the room where the band would stay. And so, you know, be playing video games up there and he'd like come up and hang out for a bit and he was like talking all this shit about how good he was at um goldeneye the the James Bond video game I think it was probably from like 98 or 99. And so Chad our bass player just constantly eviscerated everyone at this game. Like there was no competition whatsoever. And so Matt comes up there talking all this shit like oh yeah I'll fucking you know i'll murder all of you guys and we're like okay and said and we're like okay if chad beats you you have to sing on the record and chad (laughs) smoked him (laughs) and we it was kind of in jest you know like we weren't gonna be hard asses about it be like bro you lost that video game you better fucking man up and do but like he was very gracious and was like you guys got some lyrics for this you know, and put your thing down. And he's like, let me just see if I can think of a melody that goes along with it. And it came about very organically because Jay had those lyrics and him and Matt just kind of, you know, put their heads together. And that happened fast, the vocals on that. Like that wasn't written until the studio. The song was, but not the vocal part
0: it almost sounds like it would have been another interlude kind of, you know, you have Andromeda and uh, Redshift. It seems like yeah. it would have been kind of just like a heavier interlude. I will say that yeah. those first like two measures or whatever, that song is the heaviest moment of the whole album. It's just. Like, and then it, yeah. maybe because it goes so quiet afterwards, but it just never gets as just pummeling as that like first two bars.
1: Yeah. No, that's great. I love to hear that. <laughs>
0: I don't think about that as
1: the heaviest part, but I love that somebody else does. Like, that's what they hear when they hear it, you know?
0: Well, one thing I always thought about this album, even when it came out, was that, you know, it's part of this kind of metalcore scene, and there's certainly what people would call, you know, quote-unquote breakdowns, and certainly when I went and saw Hope's Fall play, people were moshing, but I never hear this as a an album to mosh to. You know, there's the breakdowns are just organically part of the structure of the song versus, like, an intention to get that reaction. And so, um, but it's, you know, definitely heavy throughout it as well. There's heavy moments, but they're more almost emotionally heavy moments too, because of the everything else that's going around the layers and the textures. So I always thought that almost thought that it was funny when I would go and like, you know, a man exits is what you would commonly close with when I would see you. And, you know, that has a really kind of breakdowny part at the end, but when I'm listening to it as this, like part of the whole of the record, I'm never like, thinking of it in that way, but then live, it, you know, kind of makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, it's like, it's funny. Cause it's like, everything was written just mu- music first, always. It's like, what, what cool riffs and does this flow? Does the energy carry over from part to part to part? Does it make sense? You know? Um, and it was always written with that in mind. Does it work in the room? Like, can we jam out to that and look at each other when we're done? Be like, yeah, that was fun. You know, type of thing. That it's funny how some of those parts live translate into like, oh, here comes the mosh part, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny because we st- we played Man Exits at Furnace Fest this year, and we just extended the breakdown a little bit. <laughs> okay. Great. Just to so have a little bit more mosh part in there, you know? Why not?
0: <laughs> yeah, th- that's the thing is that it has all the hallmarks of the metal core and the break. You know, it's got the the dissonant chords. It's got the... Mm-hmm. Chugs and things like that, but they just never feel like that's what their intention is. And I mean that in, as a compliment. It it never feels like you're like, okay, we have to put a break down here because that's what we do. It just kind of flows naturally in what's going on with the rest of the song. But there's so much like clean guitar on it as well, and just mm-hmm. really driving bass. And you know, every instrument has its time to shine. In addition to all the feedback and everything that you're talking about, so I thought that that was always a strength of the record that really kind of set it apart and is probably a big reason why people regard it so highly because it's it's very special in that time frame while also being very much a part of it you know
1: you know we felt like we had a unique voice at that time when we were that age like within the scene but it's like we were very much you know kids that grew up on alternative rock got into hardcore as as teenagers you know but like loved the hardcore scene like we we went to all the hardcore shows and stuff it's like so we were very much like of that genre in that time period like the straight edge and you know right yeah you know like all that stuff like in in those early years like we were into it it was fun (laughs) (laughs) because we didn't even play to a click we just played those songs that's like live we just I mean, it ebbs and flows. If you listen for it, it ebbs and flows a little bit. You know, we're not, our, our drummer was always like, Adam was always like a very pocket drummer. Like we always just played off whatever his groove was. And, um. but like, we're all looking at each other when we're recording the drums and we're recording the scratch tracks. And so we were, it was easy for us to, you know, just feel the vibe. And then when you're playing it with no click track and you're just playing stuff that kind of ebbs and flows a little bit, you're like, oh wait what i don't have the i don't have the same vibe because i'm not in the room with the guy it makes it a little harder but um you know we figured it out
0: so matt talbot <laughs> of home and champaign illinois fame friend of jimmy john himself didn't make you yeah. play to a click track
1: he didn't we were like adam was adamant
0: i just want to play this thing
1: he was like all right
0: that's crazy to me that's that's how you play thing. that's crazier than yeah. the golden eye story
1: do, do you think so yeah that's so funny. Well, I I, I don't know. I, maybe it was more common back then. Maybe people didn't. Because I I remember hearing other people say that. Like, yeah, we just we just went in and recorded it. But
0: now this is 2002. Did you guys use Pro Tools to record it?
1: We recorded on two inch tape, and um, Sick. I mean I can't remember if he was, ru- I mean running Pro Tools with that. I'm sure that he was. I'm sure that he was. But I could be wrong. He might have had a different operating system. I was clueless to the tech involved in it. I was just watching, fascinated. Like I don't know how this this is happening, coming through this board. And I still, to this day, am sadly a total fucking novice amateur when it comes to any of that stuff. Like I record tracks with voice memos on my iPhone. I just put it in front of the amp and go, shouldn't play along, and I'll send that the other guys and be like we can do this riff
0: <laughs> <laughs> um with all the clean guitars that are on here is that stuff that you're doing in the studio or when you're jamming these songs beforehand you you're writing those parts with the others
1: you no know, like with all the clean guitar and stuff i i write a lot on acoustic guitar um this is like it sounds cool if the riff sounds cool on acoustic guitar it's gonna sound cool distorted or clean, or however it ends up, but um, but yeah, no, no, like all of that stuff was recorded in Champagne, and, and but we were always very much a loud, quiet, loud type of band, you know. So it was always, you yeah, know, we were always channel channel switching, so
0: that was common for us, I think. Well, I think it's just more impressive too, well, where it's kind of simultaneously happening, where one guitar is playing, you know, gained. And then the other one's playing clean and it and it makes sense whereas if you were to tell me that's what you're gonna do i would say that sounds like a really bad idea but then when i hear it it sounds sick
1: you're like oh that makes kind of sense there that's a that's another hum influence right there i mean hum famously like on on their records has like some clean leads over big distorted guitars and just really shiny pretty sounds mixed in there and it's just it's nice
0: You and know. they have that zebra on the cover too, and they have that sweet ass zebra, and just on a green background. That's that's the result With of the some drug use.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can imagine so, but I <laughs> love that. That was like that. That's how it happened. It was like, yeah, put, put a zebra on green. Cool, we're done. Should we Ship put it.
0: something on the green? No, leave it. The zebra is yeah. going to do no, the no, talk. Put the a
1: number. Put the amount of minutes and seconds that there is music on the record. (laughs) That we just want everybody to know that it's like it's like putting the alcohol on like a beer can. It's like this has four point two percent. This record is forty five minutes and fifty three seconds. Just so you know.
0: (laughs) And if you don't believe us, ask the zebra. He'll back us up.
1: Zebra will tell you that. So,
0: when you guys are recording the album, are you? discussing with each other the art concept since it does become such a like you said a big part of the branding of the band and the record
1: no we had a friend at the time named chandler that was doing all of the artwork for us and he did all the artwork for years um and he was he, like i mean he grew up with us you know going to the same shows listening to the same bands hanging out at the same places so like and we were always just like in contact with him, just like, well, what about this and that and the other, but like, I mean, he would, he would do all the art, but he was very involved with us and knew us and was around us and knew the themes and what we were going for and what we were trying to capture. So it was really organic. Honestly, it was easy. We would just talk to him. It's not like we had to hire some artist that we didn't know and figure out, you know, like, oh, if I say this, is that guy gonna take it wrong? Or is he gonna think I'm criticizing him or I'm just trying to add my input or something? It was like easy to just, yeah, dude, that's rad. I love that. Go in that direction, cool. You know, or oh, that that's not exactly what we were thinking. And there was was no pressure.
0: I feel like the blue of it is so like associated with the band too. Is that something that he came up with too? Just like yes. I'm gonna do these blue yeah. cues.
1: All visual ideas credit to him like that was his that was his wheelhouse and uh it just was an advantage for us that like we knew each other and grew up together you know because he went on to do art for tons of bands and do really big projects and stuff
0: Decoys like curves has such a prominent singing versus screaming on it, which Mm -hmm. then we see on a types loses control. But when was the first time that you thought that, uh, that you should have like a fully sung chorus or that just naturally happened with the, the music that was being written?
1: Well, I think when Jay came into the band, we knew he could sing, you know, it's like, we trusted him to sing and we're like, Oh, we can lean into that a little bit more. Because on the other stuff, it was always like Ryan or Ryan and Chris. Chris was no longer in the band at this point. And Ryan, like, I mean, he's he saying, but he didn't, he, he didn't like, I don't think, love that responsibility. He wanted to rock out, jam, and like play guitar. And so then we had somebody that was like, that was in their wheelhouse and they were capable of, we just leaned into it a bit more. But it's like growing up, we were always, we were an alternative rock band group of kids. That like came across, they they got into hardcore after, but our roots were always like, you know, the pumpkins, hum, the pixies, dinosaur junior helmet, you know, that era music, which was more singing. So it's felt very natural to us to blend it, you know, but I think that, yeah, we always, we always did gravitate towards that sound.
0: And why wasn't that chosen as the single versus the bending? It
1: didn't matter that it was a six minute and however many second long track. Like at the time it was like, this isn't going on the radio. Like what's, what song do you think is cool? Everybody's really stoked on the bending. Okay. Let's make that the single, but it wasn't like we're getting airtime. So it
0: didn't matter. And was that song so long because you knew it was going to close out the records? You just kind of made it like an extended jam or it was always going to be that long. I mean, I know some no. of the earlier songs, like the frailty of word songs are much longer than a lot of the songs on satellite years.
1: Yeah, no, I think it was just one of those things that came up and down when we were writing it. We were, right, we were like, we like big outros, you know, like those are just fun. Just have, like that space to like jam out, and make noise and get feedback swells and stuff like that. When we were writing it, we didn't know that it was going to be the closer. We just wrote that song. Like, okay. That was the, and I, and I say, this is like, it's just, it's chasing the energy in the room when you're writing it. Like if somebody's not vibing on it, it's just like, okay, we can't do this. It's gotta be that place where everybody gets to a point. They're like, yeah, let's jam this. And it happens organically. No, it's, it wasn't intentional as a closer.
0: Well, no, that I mean, it, it feels like this album is everyone banging on all cel- cylinders and really meshing together. So that completely makes sense to me when you're saying it. And I don't doubt that at all. And it doesn't, I mean, other than just maybe like the last 10 seconds or whatever, when it's just the drums, it doesn't feel like it's being forced to be extended. But, it, you know, it is noticeably long <laughs> as a song. So I yeah, be, uh remiss if I didn't ask if that was some sort of deliberate thing with it being the last song. But at the same time, I mean, none of it feels, you know, it feels like all those parts belong there for sure.
1: Yeah, I think it was like track listing is always a weird one, you know, Cause, because because the way we write, there is an intentionality to like order of record while we're writing tracks. It's just what works right now. What's fun? What do we want to recreate live?
0: Although it does seem like uh, aside from Magnetic North, which I know is kind of a unique entry in the catalog anyway, that having 10 tracks is very important to you. I
1: think yeah, I think it just I think that was like it had to be 10 tracks. You had to turn in 10 tracks to the label. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Is that why there's the two kind of intro uh interludes cuz you had eight songs and you're like, well, we got to No, no,
1: like we were like, no, these are like we want those interlude we want interlude pieces in there, you know. Um just to kind of be moody or whatever, but like no, we I mean we're like, oh, the record's got to be 10 songs. Like let's write ten songs.
0: Now you mentioned you know Ryan did uh, other vocals on previous releases, and there are certainly parts, especially in the waitress, where the screaming is kind of yeah. like panned. Is that multiple yeah. people doing vocals, or is that Jay? Yeah, it's ri-
1: it's no no, it's Ryan and Jay. Ryan's oh. got some vocal parts on that record, and he sings in the bending, like some of the background vocals. But yeah, he's got a few. He's got a few parts.
0: Is there anything you would have done differently on the satellite years listening back to it? Yeah, yeah. I would have
1: increased the volume of the rhythm track during a man exits, during one of the chug parts. It just kind of falls out there. And I don't remember exactly how that all got put together like that, but that was a big miss for me. It bummed me out. But I'm glad that people, you know, and I remember like being back then, it was like, a crushing blow, you know. Being that age, I was like twenty-two or twenty-three years old, just like, oh, my whole identity is this band, and there's this part on the song that I fuck that's not right, and fuck, and this and that and the other. But now I look back on, I'm just like, ah, oh, oh well. Right. <laughs> but if I had it to redo, I would do that over. <laughs> but I still like, I still like the sound of like guitars in a room you know, like mics in a room, drums in a room, you know, I like organic sounding records, you know, I like that a lot. I still do. And things are so crisp and I love it. And like, I totally nerd out on the sound quality, but I like records that sound like music is being played in the room. Yeah. Like there's, there's there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a vibe catcher to it. I don't know how else to describe it. You know? It's space just it's there.
0: flying through the air and hitting you while you're this jellyfish floating up to the sky. <laughs> it's
1: exactly, exactly. With somebody's soul, by the way.
0: Is that what's happening? No, I don't
1: know. No, I, don't know. I mean, it was all conceptual.
0: It's just kind of a fun. It's, it's up to interpretation.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? What Hopes Fall album do you think is the best sequel to the satellite years do you think a types is the best representation of being the next logical step or do you think arbiter is i think arbiter is probably the
1: closest thing to satellite years just because of the people that were playing the playing in the band at the time you know it's like it's four fifths uh satellite years dustin you know being the 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 difference there. So that makes sense. I I think that it, sure. that would be closest. Because A-types had a bunch of different people, sort of Magnetic North different people. So all who made awesome in my opinion, obviously I'm biased, but like contributions uh to the band and the sound. And uh I like all those I like all of those records. I think I'm most nostalgic about A-types of any of the records. Um that was just a special time for me
0: personally. The last question about satellite years I have for you is what is your favorite moment of making that album? You know, is, is it golden eye victories? Is it, uh, you know, just everybody jamming in the room together. What is something that really stands out when you think about making this album?
1: I think one of my favorite stories from making that album was, um, when we First got to the studio. Like I had talked to Matt on the phone, but we'd never met. And so we drive up, you know, from Charlotte and meet him there at the studio. And the first couple days, Matt was a little distant, you know, and just kind of reserved, like held back, and we we're just trying to, you know, be cool. But the 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 vibe was, you know, a little heavier and a little less like chummy than we would have liked. And our drummer adam like at a certain point just like you know because matt is like recording or he's in the the room and we we're doing the live tracking right and adam's just like hey matt talbot can i get more uh can i get more kick in the in the earphones and uh you're like yeah dude and and then like next day you would like hey matt talbot can you give me more of this in the thing and he just started calling him matt talbot <laughs> and that like broke him and, and then everything was a joke and everybody had fun after that and it was just like ah! but like that turned the tide and that was just weird and funny but it's like a, a seminal moment there
0: i love that i love calling people full name too especially when they're like You know, like you admire them too, so in your mind they're Matt Talbot, right? So it's like Oh yeah. It's not just Matt, it's Matt Talbot. That's Matt Talbot's (laughs) company.